0: So, research reports that um, only about half of all new businesses that start up, so business startups, last five years. Only about half last for five years. And only about a third make it 10 years. And so the statistics are kind of low for business startups. But experts say that if you're going to start a business, um, you should envision long term success. You should look down the road and and figure out the the markers that you want to uh, accomplish as you're going. That you should create a growth strategy that is very deliberate. And if you don't have a plan, you're actually losing business. If you don't have a plan, you're actually losing business because you're giving your business to your competitors by just not having a plan to gain new ground. And so you're actually losing business by not having a plan. And as I as I thought about that, I believe that this is parallel to our spiritual lives. To have long-term success in your spiritual life, to avoid getting stuck or distracted, or to to avoid getting down in the in the cracks and the crevices that we just prayed about moments ago, you need to have a growth strategy. You need to have a growth strategy. And this strategy has to be deliberate, it has to be on purpose. Because if you don't have a plan, you are allowing the enemy to gain ground, even if you don't see it. If you don't have a plan, you are allowing the enemy to gain ground. And so I believe that a core piece of our spiritual growth strategy is generosity. Generosity has to be built into our spiritual strategy. It has to be something that we deliberately and purposefully do if we want to continue growing in relationship with Jesus. The temptation to live selfishly with our resources will be one of the greatest challenges that we will have to overcome to be an effective follower of Christ. In fact, this is one of the greatest spiritual disadvantages that we have living in a country like ours. We have so much. Some of you have more stuff in your basement than people own around the world. Am I right? (laughs) I won't go in your basement and check it out. Don't go in mine. But we have so much stuff... Even those of us that live in the, the, the lower end of, of, of economy, in this country, we have so many things. And many of you have traveled outside of the United States and you've seen how little people live with. How many of you have ever been overseas and you just noticed how little that they can live with? You maybe have gone to a church in another country where they have powerful worship services and they don't have lights or air conditioning. They don't, they don't have all this stuff that we have. And none of this stuff is bad, but they will not have the struggle as intensely as we will. One of our spiritual disadvantages to living in a country that has so much is we will have to battle against that stuff pulling on us. Remember last week we talked about that magnet in our hearts And how it it often gets turned where we want to just keep things. We want to pull everything in that we can. And what we have to do is get that magnet to turn outward so we're pushing out everything we can. We're giving away as much as possible that our possessions aren't so close to us. And so Jesus himself spoke about this battle when he encountered a a rich man in the scripture. And often when we read this, you may think to yourself, okay, a rich man, that's someone like... Donald Trump or Peyton Manning or someone who has all the money in the world, billions and billions of dollars. That's who he's talking to. But actually, this parable is so much more about me and you. In this parable, we are the rich person. And so let's read it with that in mind. In the parable, the rich man says to Jesus, hey, I want to follow you. How do I inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, obey the commands. And the man says, I've done that. And Jesus looks at him, and I love in the scripture it says, he looks at him and he loves him. So out of love he says, you need to go sell your possessions, give them to the poor, and then come follow me. And it's really interesting to note, and it's really important to note, that this is actually the only time that Jesus says this. That Jesus is not opposed to having possessions. In fact, Jesus gives wealth you can see it all through the scripture God gives wealth we talked last week God is a giver he's not a taker he he is the one who gives us the things that we need and even the things that we want at times God is not opposed to us having nice things but what God does not want are the things to have us God is not opposed to us having nice things but what God does not want is the things to have us. And the problem is that Jesus saw right into this man's heart and he looks at him with love and in love and he he says, "You know, the things have you." The things that you possess have you. And the only way that you're going to grow in your relationship with me, your growth strategy is to go and give all of it away and abandon it all because you cannot let things rule your heart. I need to be number one in your heart. And so the the scripture says that the man went away sad because he was unwilling to do it because he had a lot of wealth. He had a lot of things and he liked the things he had. And then Jesus says in Luke 18, 24 through 25, he says, How hard is it for the rich, that's us, that's you, that's me, to enter the kingdom of God? Indeed, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. We will constantly have to fight that temptation to live for ourselves, but we have the opportunity to be the most generous people in the world or the most selfish. So which will we choose? What will we choose? Putting generosity in our growth strategy spiritually will push us further to grow in other areas. In fact, you might be here today and you feel stuck. You feel like we talked about before. Being generous will help you get out of that rut because being generous is part of the whole picture. It's part of our growth strategy. And when we make generosity part of that, we get byproducts from it things happen to us because of our generosity. And I want to talk about two of those things today that come from the scripture. And the first is joy. Say that to somebody next to you, joy. And if it's their name, it's a bonus. All right, joy is a byproduct of generosity. Joy is a byproduct of generosity. So last week, We talked a little bit um, in 2 Corinthians 9, where Paul was encouraging the church to give cheerfully. Do you remember? To give cheerfully, to give hilariously, to give with great enthusiasm. And the enthusiasm and the joy in giving will lead to more giving, which will lead to more joy, which will lead to more giving, which will lead to more joy. Do you see the cycle? Joy leads to giving, giving leads to joy. And then it just continues to build, And so I want to bring us in 2 Corinthians, just the chapter before that, where Paul is talking to a group of churches uh, in the Macedonian area, and this is what he says to them. So read along with me 2 Corinthians 8, or follow along. It says, and now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. So what's happening is this group of people are severely afflicted. They are severely in poverty. They were facing trials. We talked last week about the desert. The desert is when you're stuck between what God did and what God's going to do. But you're in the waiting. They were in the desert. They were in dark days. Maybe you can identify here this morning. Maybe if we were to talk today, you would say to me, that's exactly where I am. I am in a moment full of trial. I am in a moment of complete poverty, whether that's emotionally or or financially or spiritually. You're in a moment of poverty. You're in a moment of trial. And this is what it says. In those moments, they overflowed in generosity and joy. Where joy begins and generosity stops is unable to separate here. They are a byproduct of one another. So joy begets generosity, and then generosity begets joy, and it goes on and on and on. And you can't be generous unless you pursue joy. This passage specifically says, you will find your joy in God's grace. You will find your joy in God's grace. You will find your joy when you realize that you are saved, that you are redeemed, that you don't have to live under the penalty of your sin anymore, that you are free from guilt and from shame, that Jesus is alive, that he has paid the penalty for your sin, that there is grace for today, that God has overflowed it, that you have done nothing to earn it, that you have done nothing to, to, to pay for it, but because of that great grace that God has overflowed on you, you can have joy. And if you have joy out of grace, how can you stop from being generous? How can you stop from saying to God, the great, awesome God who gave us that grace, from saying, I have joy overflowing, therefore my generosity is overflowing. Paul continues in verse three, and he says, for I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. And even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people, and they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God, also to us. So when Paul went to the Macedonian churches and said, hey, we have a need, they didn't go, again? You keep asking me for this. I thought that we fixed that problem. Why is there so many people that need things? They didn't say that at all. They they didn't say, we don't have enough. There's just not enough money. I'll give when I have more. They didn't make any of those excuses. They said, out of the great joy that we have, because Jesus Christ himself has been so generous to us, we will give, and I love verse 3, for I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. And I want to receive that for each of our lives this morning. I want to receive that prophetically for Erie First. That for I testify that Erie First gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. That we will know God's grace so much, that we will have so much joy in what He's given to us, that we will give even beyond our ability out of our generosity, that will beget joy, that will beget generosity, and we will become people that God is asking us to be, and generosity will grow joy, and joy will grow more generosity, and we'll be a really happy church. <laughs> we will be really happy, and we will be really generous. Because those two things work together, as the scripture says, if you are struggling to have joy in your life, allow generosity to be part of your growth strategy. Just try it, because joy and generosity are linked together. All right, the second thing that I want to talk about today that is a byproduct of generosity is breakthrough. Would you say that to someone next to you, breakthrough? All right, breakthrough. Breakthrough. A few weeks ago, if you were here, we collected uh, prayer requests. So just in your front there, there are little note cards. We asked you to give prayer requests. And I want to remind you, um, anytime you have a prayer request, just write it on there and put it in the, in the offering, and we will pray it. Uh, we will pray over you. Um, the council has prayed over those. The staff prays over those on Tuesday morning. There are prayer teams that pray over those. Prayer is really important to this church. And so, anytime that you have a prayer request, you put it in there and we'll make sure that we get it. Uh, we also have an email set up, I think, prayer at eriefirst.org, if you want to email it. But as I have been praying through those requests, I found so many of you, many of you who never even indicated who you were, were desperate for a breakthrough. So many of you needed a, a physical healing touch for someone you loved. So many of you needed a um, God to mend back your family. So many of you prayed that your children were far from God. And you needed Jesus to break into their situation and draw them back. So many of you prayed for the distance between you and your spouse, the the edge that you stand on because your marriage is just, just right there. You're not even sure if it's going to work out next week. Many of you wrote that you were facing depression and anxiety. Depression and anxiety that was destroying your whole world. That was putting you in a position where you, you couldn't even think straight. You couldn't even make good decisions. You were just completely broken. Some of you were battling addictions that just wouldn't quit. Some of you have family members that are battling addictions today, that you are so desperate for a change and a shift. And my heart was so heavy because I, I felt like so many of us come for these 75, 80 minutes, and we we come with all this stuff inside of us that we maybe never talked to about anyone in the room. And God reminded me, as I was praying over those prayer requests, that maybe I don't know what each of you are facing, but he does. And that every single time we gather together, and every day throughout the week for that matter, he knows the details of your situation. And and he told me, he he wanted me to share this morning, and it was so clear to me, So, so if you haven't... Listen to anything yet, would you just perk up here for just one second? Because the Spirit of God said to me this week to tell you that breakthrough is on the way. Breakthrough is on the way. That he is the same God that tackled and conquered those things in your life in the past, and he will do it again. He will do it again. Maybe not the same way, because we can't decide how God works, but the breakthrough is on the way, and you can trust him for it. You can trust him for it. And so I want to speak that into somebody's situation this morning. Because the result may not be what you think it's going to be, but God is faithful and the breakthrough is coming. So in the book of Micah, chapter 2, in the NIV it's titled, Human's Plans and God's Plans. I feel like that's where I live my whole life, (laughs) right between the two. (laughs) Trying to pick the right one all the time. And this chapter records Micah telling the people, the full dimension of God's judgment and his salvation. And and we are rebellious people that deserve a punishment, but but God has a plan for redemption, and, and Jesus the Messiah is the one who breaks open the way and he always leads us back home. And the scripture talks about how Jesus is the king and the Lord and he is the breaker. He is the breaker that does the breakthrough. He does what only he can do. And he does what he does best, which is save and rescue and deliver and break through. And he is not just our deliverer for a moment. He is our deliverer for the long haul. He is our deliverer through every crisis. He is our deliverer through every ordinary day. That he is the breaker. And so I want to read to you uh, just one verse from chapter 2. And this is how it concludes. Micah 2.13. The one who breaks open the way will go up before them. They will break through the gate and go out. Their king will pass through before them, the Lord at their head. And so I did a little research this week, and that verb in the verse, the one who breaks open, is the verb parats. It's the verb parats, and this is what it means. It's a verb of perfect certitude. It emphasizes the certainty of the coming event. It is not when he might do it or, or maybe he'll do it. The, that word, breaks, is an absolute certainty that this will happen. And you should notice the order of the scripture. The people do not break through the gate first. The breaker who goes before them breaks through. And then the people through the space that Jesus made the way. You can think of many times in Scripture this happens. Do you remember the Red Sea? Before they could pass through the sea, God had to break open the sea. But you follow the breaker. You don't go in front of the breaker because if you run ahead, the obstacle is still there. You have to follow the breaker. You have to stay in step with the Spirit of God. In fact, Martin Luther penned these words about Jesus the breaker. They were so beautiful did we in our own strength confide, our striving would be losing. We're not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. Dost ask who that may be. Christ Jesus, it is he. Lord, saboth his name from age to age the same, and he must win the battle. That verb break, it also means break out, burst out, grow. And it also means increase. It also means increase, which is the title of our entire sermon series. And, and the implication is that something has been closed off, something has been stunted, or restricted, or refined. But when the God of breakthrough, when the God of increase comes against the stronghold, comes against whatever it is that you are facing, when the God of breakthrough comes against it, it's like a dam being broken open. It's like, can you imagine the Hoover Dam being broken open, being loosed and bursting out of its restraints? It not only destroys the enemy but it also sweeps the enemy and all of his stuff away. It clears out the way. And the anointing of God is so present. And the scripture says that he is the God of the breakthrough. He is the God of the bursting. He is the God of the increase. I want to just bring our attention to the life of just one man. Many, many people experience the breakthrough of who God is in the scripture, but I want to bring us to the life of the man named David David. And David trusted the breaker for victory. Um, We can look at the pattern that David used and see how he trusted for victory because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so what happened then is what we can apply now, right? So whenever we come up against a strong spiritual adversary or a deep affliction or, or temptation that seems too overwhelming to overcome, or whenever we come up against... A relationship that feels like it's not gonna last, or a, a child that's going wayward, or, or depression, or anxiety, or all of those things that, that you shared with me that you are facing. First, we have to recognize that that stronghold is indeed too strong for us to overcome. It is too big for us to overcome. You are right. If you feel that way, you are right. Oftentimes, those strongholds are too big for us to overcome. But it is not ever too strong for the breaker to overcome. Never. The same God who, who broke all obstacles that impede our spiritual growth strategy, the same God that did it before for others in the scripture, that is doing it right now currently in many of your victorious stories, is the same God that can do that for your life. It is never too big or too strong for him. And so we must seek hard after Jesus We must participate and trust in Christ's power. We have to cry out for help for him. We have to declare what a powerful name it is, Jesus, and and, and believe it deep down inside of us. And we have to stop trying to break through on our own. Because we look like silly little creatures probably just running up against the wall, you know, and keep smacking our head like a cartoon character. (laughs) Thank you, Gary. (laughs) And when we experience the victory, because it will happen, because Christ is the victor, he is the breakthrough, he is the victorious one, we have to remember to thank God for what he's done and memorialize it in some way. And so David in the scripture, he comes up an obstacle God breaks the stronghold, he, he brings the, the breakthrough, he brings the burst, he brings the increase, he, he brings the the, the complete you know, anointing of the Holy Spirit, he breaks through that, and then he names the place of victory Baal which means Lord of the breakthrough. Another translation is it means Lord of the bursting. Lord of the breakthrough, Lord of the the bursting. And he says, do something that helps you recall the victory in the future. Do something that reminds you of what God did. Celebrate with somebody. Plant a tree. I don't know. (laughs) Journal. But it says you have to remember what God did because what will happen as you go forward, more obstacles will come, more strongholds will come, but you will remember as you face those things the breakthrough that God has given you. So if any of you have experienced a breakthrough, tell somebody about it today. Tell someone about it later so that it encourages them that what God did before, he can do again and he will do. But we have to remember to thank him for it and to memorialize it so we remember the track record that God has and God is undefeated. God has a perfect track record. 100% win all the time. So you may think, uh, what does this have to do with um, generosity. Well, in Proverbs 3, that same word, that same verb break, is found in Proverbs 3, 9-10, through 10. and let me read it to you. It says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. The same word that is used in Micah 2, to break, is the same word that is used in this passage where they say brim over. And so the breaker, the overflow, the increase that this verb means is used when we're talking about the vats will brim over when we honor the Lord with our wealth. Breakthrough is linked to generosity. Generosity. Breaking out, bursting out will occur when we honor God with our wealth according to his word. I was really excited about that. You guys don't seem as excited, okay? That was a really awesome discovery that God was using that same promise that he is saying experiencing breakthrough that if we honor God with our wealth, what will happen is that our barns will be filled to overflowing and our vats will brim over with new wine. That's a good thing. (laughs) Breakthrough is a byproduct of generosity. Now, this isn't a televangelist commercial, so if you think we're gonna sell breakthroughs after service for three installments of 1999, you have missed the point entirely. You have missed the point entirely. In fact, I want to be perfectly clear this morning. Breakthrough has nothing to do with the wealth we have. It has nothing to do with how much money you give in the offering, it has nothing to do with, with how attractive or likable you become when you give more. God does not like you better if you give more. God does not pay special attention to you if, you, if your check is the biggest. You cannot buy or barter with the God of the universe. He, he has nothing to gain from our money. But Jesus Christ is the master of breakthrough for us because he loves us so deeply. He knows we can never repay him. And I believe religion, that religious spirit, attempts to pay God back. We have this feeling that if we can just, if we can just pay him back, if we can just give him the things that we have, we can, we can pay them off for a while. If I give you, you'll give me blessing. Or, or if, I, if I give you this, you'll stay happy with me. But religion attempts to pay God back, but we cannot pay God back. Having a relationship with God is when you understand you will never, ever be able to repay him. All that he did for us, all that he will do is out of sheer undeserved favor and grace. And when we understand that, we get joy because the grace that God has put on us makes us realize we we can't ever pay him back but what he's given to us we can be joyful and joyful begets generosity and then generosity begets joy and then breakthrough happens when we have these moments when we are generous this is why breakthrough happens not because of how much we give or what we give it's because when we are generous we are obedient And when we are obedient, we set ourselves up to be in a position where no sin can cause a stronghold, where no enemy can block our breakthrough. When we're obedient and when we're generous, we we put ourselves in a position to welcome the breakthrough that God is willing to give us, that God has already done through his victory. And when we are generous, we are obedient, and therefore, breakthrough is a byproduct of generosity. Generosity has to be part of our growth strategy. And those are just two of the byproducts. There's joy, there's breakthrough, there's many others that that you could find in the scripture if you go to his promise. But don't wait. I want to encourage you to ask God how he wants you to move on these biblical truths. I have seen over these last two weeks that you are a people that want to know God's word and act on it. And so I want to encourage you today to do that. Know God's word and act on it. And so here's how we're going to end our service today. Um, The ushers are going to come. And we're going to take the offering here in a minute. Um, my great friend Regina is going to come and prepare. Uh, she has a special song for us as we take our offering. And as she gets ready uh, to, to sing this song, um, you can come on up. I want us to pray our increased prayer uh, that we gave to you in the beginning. It will be up here on the screen if you pray it with me. And then we can take the offering. Ushers, you can come on down and get ready. Let's read this together. Lord, I pause to proclaim to you that I know you are the sovereign ruler of the universe. I also know you are aware of all of my needs. Provide me with a fresh awareness of blessing from you. I need your help so that I can trust you more. I will take you at your word and commit to obeying the scriptures. Show me how and where you are asking me to give. Keep my life free from the love of money. Teach me to give without the fear of running out of your supply. I wait in anticipation to see what you will do next in my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
1: Take me to the king to free. My heart is sore in pieces. It's my offering. Take me to the King. Truth is I'm tired. Options are few. I'm trying to pray. But where are you? I'm all churched out, hurt and abused. I can't take what's left to do. Truth is, I'm weak, no strength to fight. No tears to cry, even if I tried. But still my soul refuses to die. Mm -hmm. One change will touch my life.